0: It's not popular these days, is it? Right? It's not popular to tell it like it is, even here, even in the New Testament church. Y'all with me? Track in? Y'all are already. (laughs) Come on! We're no longer bold in telling people like it is when it comes to talking about things like sin and repentance and judgment and hell, are we? It's labeled today as hate speech. That's what the public calls it, hate speech. So instead, in many cases, Christianity, it becomes whatever the audience wants it to be. Yee, it's kind of scary. Yeah, it's true. We're no longer bold. People often talk and pray about magical prayers. You go to churches and they say, if you pray the prayer, if you pray the prayer, Voila. You're saved, and there's nothing, heaven and earth, that's going to change that. But does that line up with God's word? We tell people to participate in a bunch of different magical ceremonies, mystical ones, in fact. Some religions teach that if you get wet, you go in the water, that that's your salvation. Just kind of like Dorothy clicking her ruby red slippers together. Unlike the early church, it's rather uncommon today to hear anyone speaking boldly about the exclusivity of Christ, bold, about the utter brutality of the cross, about King Jesus taking what we deserve, what I deserve, what you deserve. Instead, the norm is to invite people into a polite form of weekend consumer religion. Stop in for a donut and coffee, shake hands, wave, and then go about your week. It's about morals and ethics, do's and don'ts, checking boxes. I got church in for the week, right? Back to my life, back to my stuff, Yeah, those things are loosely based on the Bible, loosely, kind of like Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Code, loosely based. They're things of our design, of our invention, our personal preferences. And when that's the case, as oftentimes it is, that means it's completely devoid and bereft, the power of the holy spirit of god and then the church ends up looking nothing like the spotless bride spoken of in the word by the word but that wasn't king jesus amen i got one that wasn't king jesus he was bold he was bold in his incarnation, stepping down from the throne of heaven, the eternal son, allowing himself to be born in the Marriott Hotel, five-star suite, penthouse, right? No, the king of heaven born in a filthy manger, a feeding trough. That's not the same thing that gets Painted on the Hallmark cards, right? So cute, Jesus, little baby Jesus in the manger. It's not the same scene that's in the Hollywood movies that looks so sterile, so cute, and so clean. King Jesus always telling it like it is. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you. You cross over land and sea to win a single convert. Just one. Great lengths. And when you do, when you do, they become twice the child of hell that you are. He wasn't just bold in confronting the Pharisees and the scribes. He was bold in confronting his disciples. When Peter bucked up and said, not on my watch, Jesus, Jesus's response, your thoughts are not on the things of God, but the things of men. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. That's not the kind of Jesus that we like to hear from. See, because King Jesus wasn't running for public office, was he? He already had an eternal office as the son of God, the king of heaven. He already had an eternal throne. He wasn't seeking our approval. He was seeking to bring us from death unto life. And when he stood up and told the Pharisees how things really were bold, they plotted to kill him. King Jesus didn't need or want a bunch of fakers or fools playing dress up on Sunday morning. Messiah knew it wouldn't be long before all the testosterone, oozing, manly men, <laughs> right, would be denying, betraying, running away like cowards and chickens, going and hiding in their mom's basements at the first sign of trouble. King Jesus knew that it would be a woman, in fact, a redeemed prostitute who would be the first on the scene at the tomb. Well, all those manly men were cowering. After his resurrection, King Jesus was bold in issuing an imperative command, not make disciples, simply disciple. See, because anything that we make, anything that we put our hands on inevitably, invariably, turns to garbage, to trash. The best that we have to offer is filthy rags. The light of the world, Emmanuel, the resurrected king, Jesus told them, stay put in Jerusalem. Wait for the Father's promise, the Holy Spirit. And they did. And as always, he delivered. The Holy Spirit came and those men were radically, eternally changed forever by the grace of God. No longer fleshly cowards that ran at the first sign of trouble, defined by appearances, their toys and their tools and their treasures. They were now spiritual giants, defined exclusively by their faith Obedience and perseverance in Christ, the gospel to the ends of the earth. Not perfect individually, we find that about Peter in the book of Acts, but collectively being built together, bold, his spotless bride, and his scripture tells us it wasn't uncommon for thousands, even thousands upon thousands to come to faith, to become part of the kingdom in just a single day. They were bold in their gatherings, devoted, united, and expectant prayer. And as we read last week, the earth literally shook when they prayed. They were bold in their celebrations after being threatened beaten, imprisoned. When they were released, they went out publicly, vocally, and rejoiced for being counted worthy to suffer for the name. Then they got right back to the business of the gospel, advancing the kingdom. They were bold, united in devotion and devoted to unity in the gospel. We know because scripture tells us in the book of Acts, chapter four, verse 32, we read, now the entire group of those who had faith were of one heart and mind and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord, And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them. They brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned. Brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then in 5 1, but, but, everything was very good, just like in Eden. But the enemy, the deceiver, the eternally defeated one, the serpent, was lurking in the shadows, watching and waiting. But but a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion and laid it at the apostles' feet. See, the serpent wanted to wiggle in the back door yet again. But resurrected King Jesus, the foreshadowed, victorious serpent crusher, wasn't having it. The church is in Eden. Our bridegroom didn't die for a corruptible earthly garden paradise. He didn't. He's not Adam. He's not standing by idle, apathetic. Christ came and died to present her, to present us, holy, unblemished, perfect, incorruptible, always, forever, his spotless bride. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter was courageous, bold, and he told it like it is in verse 3 Ananias, Peter asks, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? Wasn't it? And after you sold it, wasn't it at your disposal? Wasn't it? Why is it that you plan this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he dropped dead. And a great fear came on all who heard. The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, His wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked, Did you sell the land for this price? Can you imagine the tension? Can you imagine the people who were there that witnessed Ananias dropping dead? Sapphira, don't lie don't say it. Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. Instantly, she dropped dead. When the young man came in, they found her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. Sadly, tragically, pastors, preachers, churches, seminary professors, commentators often pervert this passage into being about money about economics. Often it's leveraged for funding building campaigns. Like everything else, we warp and twist and pervert, making it into being about us. But the real point, the real point is that King Jesus was emphatically saying to everyone, everywhere, always, not this time, not this time, not here, not now, not ever. Don't mess with my spotless bride. See, if people want to play dress up on Sundays, Jesus says, you're absolutely welcome to do that. You're absolutely welcome. Just don't do it in my name. Jesus said, I'm not going to stand for any attempts to soil or stain the reputation of my bride. I can't help it. My ears always perk up when I hear pastors, preachers, whoever say, We're a New Testament church. I can't help but wonder what exactly. Do you mean by that? What standard are you going by? Is it this one? Is it King Jesus' standard? Because he said his bride is his poema, his masterpiece, his handiwork, his craftsmanship. He said that the members of his bride are redeemed by grace through faith in him alone. King Jesus prayed that our testimony would be that we'd be known internally within the church and externally by the world by our testimony of unity in the gospel. That's the good work that he prepared in advance for us to walk in. And here, the king revealed some telling characteristics to distinguish the frauds, the fakers, the hypocrites from the genuine article. Repentant, humble, obedient, devoted, united, courageous, commissioned, Relentless, dauntless, missional martyrs, unashamed, gracious, honest, expectant, bold in advancing his kingdom, telling it like it is, and always, always doing so with gentleness and respect. Before the cross, Jesus harshly rebuked the religious elite. For taking great pains to produce a single convert, only to make them doubly condemned. The Apostle Paul didn't tell Timothy that people would abandon religion, or say that they'd stop attending services, or that they'd stop building places of worship. Paul said they would abandon the faith. Paul was bold in telling Timothy, like it is, people would be eager to follow deceptive spirits, new, improved, bigger, better, shinier, more. The teachings of demons pray the prayer, do the thing. And as fakers, posers, actors, hypocrites, and liars... Whose consciences are seared, numb, dead, people, even people calling themselves followers of Christ, would do anything to avoid confronting the truth about our sin, our rebellion, our rejection. Of our Creator, our Savior, God, do anything to get out of simple obedience, advance my kingdom. I'll close with this today. Are we? Are we a New Testament church? Does the earth shake when we pray? Do mountains move when we pray? Do we pray together? Are we devoted in unity and united in our devotion? Because that's what I read and hear. Not for my stuff, not for your stuff, not even for our stuff. For his will, His kingdom, his glory. Do we pray for boldness? Do we tell it like it is? I've checked many times, cover to cover, lots of different versions, and I've never once read about a membership 101 class in here. Never once. I've never read about letters of transfer. There's no mention of passive, consumer-minded, church-shopping, Weekend warriors, there's members and there's other. What I have found is a stark contrast between legit members of his bride and his body and of the half-hearted, insincere, casual, church-shopping, polite religious actors. It's right here. We read it today. Barnabas, like the song we sang, all in. He sold, and he brought everything and laid it at the apostle's feet. Everything. Ananias and Sapphira, on the other hand, thought it would be okay to just play church. OK to dabble, to act, pretend, To put on a little Sunday show. They thought it would be okay to just give a portion, just to hold a little something back. And King Jesus' immediate and emphatic response. spotless pride they dropped dead and a great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard all except for those whose consciences were seared